Hi everyone, my name is David Birnbaum. Welcome to The Safe Space. With me today is Peter Huang. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Um, so we actually don't know, you're the first guest I've had on that I don't actually know, you oh, know okay. prior to this or cool. don't know well. Yeah. Uh, so I'd, thanks for coming on and I'd love to get to know you. Um, sure. I, kind of what I've been starting with around for most of my guests is around you know, how I can visually identify people, right? Mm -hmm. Because it seems that identity is reigning quite large. In, in society now. So uh, obviously, or maybe not obviously, you look Asian. So mm -hmm. I'd love to hear about like, you know, where you're from, if, yep. you're, if you were born there or here, and a bit more just about your background generally. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I am Chinese. Uh, I was born in China and uh, in the northern part of China. I get mistaken a lot for Vietnamese or Cambodian or Filipino, mm -hmm. probably because I'm so dark. Yeah. Um, and I came over when I was four years old. So I'm basically very assimilated into Canada. Yeah. And I would identify very strongly as Canadian. Oh, yeah. But uh, still very Chinese. And then I think in the last, you know, five years, I've been discovering more and more about what is, I think, more specifically part of the Chinese upbringing. Oh, yeah. That's part of me. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, that's, that's really it. Okay, cool. How, how does it make you feel if you're mistaken for Vietnamese or Cambodian? Uh, to be honest, it's happened so much that it doesn't really bother me. Yeah. Uh, and it's not even like it has nothing to do with even like, you know, uh, for example, white people mistaking me for Vietnamese or Cambodian. Vietnamese people mistake me for Vietnamese. Yeah. Uh, and Filipino always ask me if I'm Filipino. Too, yeah, yeah. So. That's fair. What So what do you think of, so you don't take offense generally, do you think it's, more offensive uh, if like a, a different Asian person mistakes you versus like if a, oh, if yeah. I if as a white guy sure. I mistake you that's seen as like pretty overtly racist why would I assume uh, yeah I mean I guess there is the general argument that to assume that somebody is just Chinese automatically yeah uh, is disparaging but I don't think that's the case because yeah. I think you know I mean it's already been kind of proven in studies that Asians can tell each other apart mm. by location just because they have a more like I, I, I guess growing up in the spaces uh, with more Asian people they can slightly tell certain differences in you have more structure. more data yeah there's sets, more right? data you know right. and growing up honestly I was watching um, these action movies on TV and I there was a large part of my life where I couldn't tell like certain white men apart yeah and they would all blend together, especially yeah. if they had the same hair color. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it goes both ways. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, one thing that, you know, on the, on the subject of race, like, one thing I've heard a lot is that Chinese people are racist. Sure, yeah. Right? Would, totally. you, would you agree with that? Uh, yes. On a general note, they definitely are. Yeah. Uh, much more so than, like, people who have been westernized. And, and, and you know what the, the interesting thing, too, is, is, like, they're just very, very open about their level of discrimination mm -hmm. whereas i find that some people in the western world are actually deep down discriminatory but they'll never say it because they know it's wrong so and that's you, actually a core difference too. yeah yeah do you think that i mean that's definitely partially societal right the yeah. expectations i've heard arguments that it's better to allow people to be outwardly racist because mm -hmm. then you can identify them and choose or not choose to associate with them or not yeah uh i mean i think it works in in china and work work being a very very loose term not that it's yeah good. like i don't think it does their society any benefits yeah 
I've seen very overt racism towards um, black people, Indian people, um, Muslim people, Arabs. Yeah. Uh, and in a small way, like white people too. Yeah. Which is that like they're lazy, spoiled, and uh, they don't work very hard. Yeah. And they just get things handed to them. Right? So all of those things exist, but I don't think it does them any favors to think that way. Yeah. Or to be overt about it. That's fair. And, and I'm sure we could, we could talk about this vein of sure. things for, well, for a while. Like but Canada and America would never work with as much of racism as there is in China. Yeah. It just doesn't. I mean, it didn't. You know, you look at America, that we, they got beyond the actual overt racism. Yeah. Parts of it. That's fair. Yeah. One thing that is kind of goes hand in hand with the stereotypes around Chinese people mm-hmm. is the like work ethic, the school, sure. like the focus on that. Did you experience that in your yeah. upbringing? Yeah, I did. Um, and it's different now than it was, I, and I can kind of explain that as well. Yeah. So growing up, most of my Asian friends were very pushed very hard to succeed and do well academically. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily well socially, but yeah. like they focused very much on academic uh, work. And so they did well as doctors. Most of them are engineers. Yeah. Uh, most of them make six figures in Silicon Valley or um, yeah, the tech industry in yeah. general. Um, and so that's definitely a thing, but that also comes from, I think, who was allowed to immigrate back then. Okay. Right. So, um, one of my friends asked my dad why Chinese people were all smart. And my dad's like, no, there's a lot of dumb ones. They just don't make it over to Canada. Yeah. And so they came over more on like academic visas and then managed to get work that way. And it was much easier in the late eighties and nineties. So the whole generation of kids coming into Canada were actually like of that upbringing. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, you know, um, a lot of the Chinese people coming now are well off already. Mm-hmm. There is actually, some of them don't work very much at all. They really yeah. don't because they have already have everything handed to them. So yeah. that, that stereotype is becoming less and less true as time goes on. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the traditional immigrant story is like, the parents like work really hard to give their kids the better life and that that's mm-hmm. the expectation yeah that's why the kids should you know want to succeed academically do you think that also plays a role or it was more so just because of their uh no i think that's true too i yeah. mean i think anyone who was like immigrating at the time right because the the stories that i tell about my parents and and how hard they pushed me for example uh is very in line with my friends who are Pakistani, this is one of my best friends, is Pakistani. Uh, my friends who even grew up Muslim, Egyptian Muslim. Um, you know, a, a lot of my immigrant friends went through the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You said that, you know, you, you immigrated here when you were four, mm-hmm. and you've now started to more realize what was like a Chinese sure. upbringing that factored into your life versus like a Canadian or, or whatever yeah. other upbringing. I'd love to hear more about you know, a couple of things you've noticed that you think were more Chinese-based in your childhood. Uh, Yeah, I mean, even in the most basic sense, I think the need to, like, work really, really hard and prove yourself is a big thing. Uh, And then even, like, very, very subtle ways, uh, for example, um, uh, a lot of my Chinese friends, and even me, uh, we kind of lean a little bit more conservatively, Mm -hmm. uh, just politically. Um, and a little bit more traditional. And I think that just comes from just the upbringing that we had. Um, and the other thing that came up weirdly enough is as you kind of grow up in Canada, 
you develop a weird complex about being Chinese. Okay. And so part of the experience of learning your own history is about unpacking that a little bit. Yeah. So there's a reason why we as Chinese Canadians have assimilated so well and have succeeded in a lot of things and have actually kind of like taken on the culture of being uh, Western European, I would yeah. say, um, because it's easier to like fit in and not stand out. And yeah. that's actually part of like the Chinese way of being. There's actually a proverb that says the nail that sticks out gets hammered down. And so the idea okay. is if you can just kind of like fade into the masses, then you'll be fine. Yeah. And so I think that's why like Chinese people are a very specific minority and we don't necessarily have our own culture. Okay. You know what I mean? Like we kind of take on a lot of what happens here in Canada. Yeah. And in the States. And so that's a very different approach than you're definitely seeing now from a lot of other minority groups. Like mm -hmm. the, the pushback is around, they like are fighting for their ability to be their own selves, not yeah. need to assimilate. Um, do you think, you know, there's value in that, sure. like in one over the other, or is it ideally like a mix? Uh, I mean, to a degree, um, there's ways to do it where I think it becomes violent and in its own way, a form of racism, mm -hmm. you know, where it's so focused on the idea of like, um, as an example, when there was huge backlash about this white girl wearing this traditional red Chinese like dress yeah. to her prom. Yeah. And I was like, why? There's actually nothing really sacred about it. Um, Kirsten Dunst wore that dress in like the second Spider-Man. Um, there was a girl in grade seven who wore that. And it's great. My mom would be like, yeah, it's a beautiful dress. Like a lot of Western women were wearing it in Shanghai in the 1930s. Yeah. So I don't really get that, for example. I think there's yeah. a hypersensitivity. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, in a way, like, I, I don't know if you noticed this, but it feels like that out of all the minorities, it feels like the Chinese have been the ones who have not really been like, we want this in our culture. Because yeah. I can't really think of a specific instance other than that dress thing. Yeah. Like we want this part seen again. Well, I think like from the various, various like East Asian cultures, generally you haven't heard them backlash no. to, to the same degree as all of these other ones. Yeah. And that's actually kind of the opposite. You hear now of, you know, Asian students not getting into universities because they were scoring too high. Yeah. And, you know, the, the goal of affirmative action was to displace white people. But yeah. Asian people were succeeding at a higher rate. Yeah. So they've actually been impacted by that too. Yeah. I don't know where I read this, but um, it was somewhere on the internet. It might have just been something stupid like Reddit. Yeah. But somebody said that the Asians didn't count as an oppressed minority because we actually do better than everyone else. Right. Like and our average income for Asian people is considerably higher than every other race, white people included. Yeah. Yeah. And so do you feel like in your life, has have you experienced much racism that you've noticed? Like, how has your experience been? Because the, the prevailing narrative is that, you know, this is a white society that treats non-whites poorly. Yeah. Um, to a degree. I would say it's that it's very, very subtle. Like, I think out of... I've always said that being Asian has been one of the, like, if you're going to pick what kind of racism that you have against you, Asian kind of works out well. Okay. So, hardworking, uh, successful, studious... Yeah. Right. But then at the same time, like, I think the disparaging things actually come from a sort of uh, a social sense, which is uh, uh, boring, um, really uninteresting, unattractive, 
emasculated is a big one. Uh, mm-hmm. Generally, like small, smaller people. Yeah. Uh, not endowed, which is like a very big stereotype. Yeah. Um, so all of these things are actually very uh, social ones, and I think the biggest complaint from a lot of Asian people is the fetish fetishization yeah. of Asian women and then yeah. the emasculation of Asian men. And I would say that those two things are the most obvious. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in terms of real anecdotal evidence, I know somebody who is an Asian female who sent her resume around to a bunch of advertising agencies and they didn't get back to her. So she rewrote the the resume as John James and then got a job and a ton of interviews with the exact same resume. And she's actually now known as John James, even though she's like a Filipino Asian girl. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, I've heard stories around that, around like males and females switching, mm-hmm. um, or like a female uh, writing in as a male and yeah. being treated differently. Yeah. Do you think that was a large part or also it's the, both. Yeah. it's both? I think it's both. Um, and uh, even like, I think OkCupid did a study that said that um, in terms of uh, minorities that don't get responses online, you've got black women at the top and then Asian men on the other side. So I think there's just, there, there's a little bit of discrimination if people don't realize it or not. There's a very, very subtle preference that people feel yeah. like when they're looking at a resume or when they're looking at like an online profile. Yeah. It's just a thing. And how do we, how do you think, you know, we go about remedying that? Or it's just inherent? Uh, I mean, I think ultimately we're built to generalize and discriminate i think canada as it becomes you know even the media now is becoming more and more like accepting of different roles i think that's Mm -hmm. very helpful it's been very different from the last 20 years if you just look at friends yeah which is very very white um and then once that kind of moves on i think it's a very very slow process obviously there's like a lot more interracial racial relationships than there ever were. And so I think it just slowly starts to normalize over time, ideally, yeah. but who knows? I mean, China now is discriminating on a level of skin tone, right? So if you have a darker skin tone as a Chinese person, you're like less likely to get a job. Yeah, well, and that's kind of, I know the, been the case in Korea and Japan, the darker skin tone, mm-hmm. they're like the, the field workers, yeah. right? Like here people want to be tanned. I'm basically a peasant. There, yeah, the, the, the tan people are the peasants. Yeah. Whereas if you're pale, that means you're inside at a, at a corporate job, it's, it's better. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so they, you know, people bleach their skin and stuff. So maybe yeah. like Canada becomes so intermixed that eventually we just pick at skin tone instead. Yeah. So, yeah. One, jumping back to the, the dress that uh, we talked about, mm. you know, I find it's an interesting balance between like what is appreciation versus appropriation. Yeah. And I say, you know, I traveled, I was in, I've been, I've spent three weeks of my life in China in a couple cities, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, does that give me credence? Do I have the ability to appreciate Chinese culture now? Like, yeah. and it's like, it seems often that there's these like gatekeepers of who says who's allowed to do what, right? right? Like I've been in Japan, can I wear a kimono, yeah. right? Like who decides what is acceptable? Right. Uh, what, like, and what, what is your experience? I mean, you seem very casual about it, right? Yeah. Like people are gonna do what they wanna do, but is, I think it's something to be said for showing that the culture is appreciated, right? Yeah. Like, wow, this is a beautiful Chinese dress that Canada is starting to wear as well, right? Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's great. 
Um, I think the reason why people are hurt about it actually goes back to something deeper on an individual level. I think that at some point, whoever is mad got made fun of, of being Chinese, doing something very Chinese. Like, let's say they wore that dress when they were like four or like six or seven. And then they got made fun of for it at school. Yeah. And then uh, they decided to shed it and then dress like a Western person, like myself, for example. Mm. And then now that it's beautiful on like a white person, maybe they feel like that only white people are the ones who can say that something's acceptable in a culture. Um, and I think that's where the argument comes from, even if it's not ne necessarily correct. It actually comes from resentment. Yeah. Um, so I don't know who's to say what's what, but at the same time, like if you, if you took it from the perspective of any of my relatives or my mom or my dad, they would be like, great. You know, like all of China started wearing Western clothing in the 40s or whatever. And then now if they're going to give anything back to Western society with Chinese style, like even the Mao collars are, they're from China, right? Mm -hmm. I saw a guy yesterday at a bar wearing like a traditional Chinese button up. Yeah. And that's being put into like the new fashion styles too. Which to me is like cool. Like I own one of those shirts and I wore one on the red carpet because everyone's like, oh shit, that's cool. Yeah. So, I mean, that's cool for me. But like, you know, uh, I think as time goes on, there are going to be a couple people who will be offended. But I yeah. think that's more of an, an, an individual basis than yeah. a big one. That's fair. Chinese. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I, I really appreciate that hearing that perspective on mm. it. Yeah. Um, though, the one other thing that comes to mind and it's kind of, you know, not directly related, but is about like Chinese and Asian representation in media and also like, you know, obviously the characters used to be presented by white people yeah. and now there's a shift towards not having that, but there was still backlash around Scarlett Johansson playing sure. like the character in Ghost in, in a Shell or Ghost yeah. in the Shell or whatever. Yeah. And um, one thing I think of in particular, like Disney wants to produce Mulan, yeah. but they've, they've been having a hard time finding an Asian person to play that role. And I, f I find it like an interesting balance between you want A-list celebrities, A-list celebrities happen to largely be white. Yeah. So like, what is the balance? And I'd love to hear your thoughts on how that's kind of yeah. developing. Uh, yeah, I, I, I understand the business side of Scarlett Johansson. Um, especially because, you know, I work in film and I, I get the idea of like having this person will then guarantee you financing yeah. part of it is not even actually about like uh, reception or thinking about like getting people into the seats it's about actually how financiers think about how to get people in the seats so they're like old white dudes generally yeah so they just don't know right they it, it legitimately is a thing where they're like well how am i i don't want to give up like 30 million dollars unless somebody recognizable is on this. Yeah. But they've learned very quickly. And even like the new Aladdin, they've cast uh, Mina Masood, who I've met a couple times personally, and he's like full-on Arab-Egyptian, I think. Um, and he was like an unknown at the time. So yeah. they took a chance on him, and it's going to work out really great for mm -hmm. them. Um, but, uh, yeah, sorry, you're going to... I was, I like, was going to say Disney has the ability to yeah. do that. Right, they're such a big name. Aladdin, Mulan, those are big names. Yeah. 
right? I think with smaller productions that yeah. need an A-list star to get funding, though there's a risk of that story not being told. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely true. Um, but at the same time, uh, the Chinese market is now becoming the biggest in the world. Yeah. I just saw Skyscraper with The Rock. <laughs> half that movie is in Chinese. Oh, really? Legitimately half the movie. Uh, they speak Chinese, it's subtitled, and it's very clearly built for both an American and a Chinese audience. It actually didn't do that well in, in North America at mm -hmm. the box office, so I think the Chinese audience is going to save it, money-wise. Yeah. So, I mean, all that is changing very quickly, and uh, it's really just a money thing. Uh, ultimately, like, I think the money reflects sort of like where the audience ends up going. Yeah, you and know? so how does it, how do you feel when you when you see like old movies where it's like a white guy playing a oh, Chinese like, person in like the very stereotypical way. Right. And like, how has that changed from your perspective? Yeah, it's like the whole Mickey Rooney thing in Breakfast at Tiffany's, which is like, you know, Breakfast at Tiffany's would be a great film if it wasn't, even at the time they were like, what is this? Yeah. There were, there were detractors at the time who were like, this is grossly stereotypical. So they yeah. knew. Um, I mean, obviously, I just know that it's in bad taste mm. and I think that time period is generally over. Oh, except for that two broke girls show. That's like really, really bad. Oh yeah. There's a sitcom that actually only ended a couple of years ago. It's a very, very recent sitcom mm -hmm. and they basically had a real Asian person playing a really fumbling, dumb, short, rude Asian manager of like a pizza restaurant. It was like, it's been called out for being offensive for many, many years. But aren't there some Chinese people who would behave that way? This, yeah. Like the same way there's some white people who would sure. behave that way. Totally. But, but I think, you know, the problem is, is uh, you're not trying anything new with the role. Do you know okay. what I mean? Like, yeah. so you have two white girls who work at a pizza restaurant as waitresses. And then their main like comic relief is like a short Asian guy. Yeah. You know, it's not just about the like racial issues. It's actually just like not very creative. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it's just not creative. That stuff's already been done. So there's yeah. nothing new to add to it. That's fair. Yeah. Um, so we've talked about like around race a lot because, you know, that is what I can see about you. And, you yeah. know, I find that mm -hmm. a good place to start. But I'd love to hear about, you know, if you're... Chinese background is a big part of how you identify and just what else, you know, when yeah. you think of yourself, what do you think of first? Uh, wow. I mean, I didn't used to think that I was uh, really like identified too much as Chinese. I mean, I think the way that the world is kind of gone, you think about it more and more because yeah. the inevitably in the last five years, we've somehow come to a place where everyone is starting to become identified. Yeah. Whether they like it or not, it slowly just kind of absorbs into you. And then you just read more and more articles, which is like, okay, Cupid says this about Chinese people. They say that about Chinese people. And in some ways, there was like a willful ignorance to it. And then in other ways, I just never heard stuff like that before. Yeah. And so it just, it's interesting to see some sort of data backing these things up. Yeah. And it certainly explains some things in my life, which is I have never, ever gotten a job by submitting a resume without knowing somebody there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's never happened to me. Yeah. And so these are the things that kind of you look at retrospect. It was like never had an interview in my life where there was not somebody on the other side yeah. pulling a favor for me. Yeah. Which you can say, I mean, that's a competitive advantage too, to have somebody on the inside. Yeah. 
Um, I, I do identify as Chinese and I'm slowly like starting to learn more Mandarin again, which is really important to me. Yeah. I only realized five years ago, so I was very, very embarrassed to speak Mandarin in public. Yeah. And I didn't ever really know why, but my parents told me a story when I was 20 that I'd totally forgotten. And it was in grade one. Um, there was a new kid who moved in from China and he only spoke Mandarin. And then the kids made fun of him and beat him up because he didn't speak English. Oh, and so wow. for a long time in my life, I remember not being able to speak Mandarin and feeling very like conflicted. Yeah. And I gave it up mm -hmm. entirely. I would only speak English at home. And, I, and, and, and it never occurred to me that that was why. So there's very clearly some sort of um, deep personal wound about it. Yeah. And so trying to unpack that has been really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so Chinese is a big piece of your identity. Yeah, it's a big... Now, and it's growing as yeah, well. Yeah, it is. And it's a big piece of a complex, I think, too. Okay. It's a very interesting piece of a psychological complex that I think a lot of Asians who have grown up in Western society have. Yeah. And it's not really talked about. But if you talk to anyone who's like me, who speaks English like me and has become very um, whitewashed, we call ourselves bananas. Yeah. Right? You've heard the term? Yeah. Uh, they all actually generally have the same complex. Okay. And it's the complex of like feeling lower than the rest of society. And the dangerous part is, is if you don't unpack it, you become a bitter asshole. Yeah. But if you do unpack it, then I think you can help figure out exactly what, what it was that you're yeah. fucked up about. And so there's this complex that you feel less than the rest of society, but then the prevailing like tone in society is that you're actually not... Mm -hmm. Like you're the better minority, right? Yeah. Like you, yeah. like so I mean, society in, is in like certain ways, right? Yeah, in, in certain, certain ways. ways. I mean, in the in the general sense. Yeah, in the general sense, but then like I mean, they have. Uh, I think on on a male side, not to get too far into this. Yeah, I've heard a lot of complaints from Asian men that it's very very hard to date. Yeah. And even there's like Asian girls who won't date Asian guys. Yeah. Now that's not necessarily true. A lot of it is actually just attitude. If they actually yeah. just like smiled and like dressed up better because there's a lot of like kiki. Asian yeah, guys. yeah. You know, part of it is that there's a very large percentage of poorly dressed Asian males. Yeah. And then there's like a smaller percentage of ones who actually have something interesting to offer. So yeah. who knows what, where, where the actual issue lies. Yeah. But there is an issue there. Yeah. And I don't mean to... Like, I'm trying to get at what other pieces you view mm. of yourself as well. And I don't mean to say, like, Chinese isn't an important one. Sure. But I'm, I'm interested to know what else you identify with as well. Uh, I, de I definitely identify uh, in terms of Western European culture. Yeah. Only because the literature that I grew up reading. Um, and so I think, you know, I mean, I, went, I grew up partially in Ohio. Mm. And I played guitar in like a punk and a metal band uh that's a very white thing to do <laughs> uh and i listened to like nirvana and i would say my upbringing was very white like i went to waterloo or i grew okay. up in waterloo partially yeah uh it's a very white town and so you just grow up sort of like surrounded by preps and punks and skaters yeah um even sunreal like an artist that i work with is like you're whiter than some white people. <laughs> <laughs> how how does that make you feel? Uh, you know, I I think if I was younger, that would have made me feel proud and cool, which is kind of a weird thing. Yeah, I'm fine with it because I know that it's true. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and that's that's okay. It's taken me a long time to kind of cultivate this identity. Yeah. Um, but I just don't know what else I would be having grown up in Canada. Yeah. Right? That's very fair. Yeah. Um, well, I appreciate you coming and sharing all of that with me. Yeah, this and is cool. It's uh, very fascinating to hear yeah. uh, the different perspectives. So yeah. thank you for coming on. Great. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. Subscribe on YouTube, support us on Patreon, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on Peter and, and his experiences. Be sure to tune in next time to The Safe Space. Mm-hmm.